Today's episode of the Hail to the District podcast is brought to you by the Young Tennis Players Project, our newest presenting sponsor. The Young Tennis Players Project retails sports apparel, but with a unique twist. The majority of the proceeds goes towards helping young athletes receive tennis lessons, which can get really, really costly, while the remainder actually goes back to you, the investor, in a revenue-sharing opportunity for those of you who choose to participate. And with no upfront cost required, there's no risk. It's actually 100% upside. So in order to learn more, visit www.ytp.tennis, that's www.ytp.tennis, or just click on the link in the Friends and Sponsors section on the Hail to the District homepage. And now, on to our podcast. Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast with your host, Rajan Nanavati. Welcome to another edition of the Hail to the District podcast. I'm Rajan, and I'm really excited for today's episode because I actually have on the other end of the line, I have Benjamin Albright from Mile High Sports Radio in Denver. And I reached out to Ben this week with the uh, with the goal of, you know, the Redskins are playing the Broncos on Sunday. Both teams are kind of in the midst of a disappointing season. So kind of previewing the matchup between two teams that had some relatively ambitious aspirations, but, you know, kind of falling short and maybe poking a little bit about why getting Ben's take on some of the stuff that's going on here in DC and especially what one interesting wrinkle there is about the quarterback in DC and how that may fit into the Denver picture. And then maybe a little bit about the 2018 draft because Ben's got some really interesting points on that. So first and foremost, Ben, thank you so much for joining and how are you doing this evening? Oh, I'm doing all right. I'm uh, happy to be here. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. So let's go ahead and we'll just start talking about it. I mean, you're you're front, you're in the Denver area. Um, you follow the De- the Broncos pretty closely, and you know they were a team. I think a lot of us have predicted a little bit of the status quo. I think we thought Kansas City was probably going to win, end up winning the division. I think we thought the Chargers were an interesting team. Um, I thought the I thought Oakland. I, I bought into the preseason Kool Aid. I won't even deny it that I I thought they were going to be a really good team this year, and they've been the exact opposite. But Denver, kind of like Washington, was one of those teams that we felt like they'd be lurking right around either the top of the division, maybe for one of the wild card spots. And that's clearly not the case. Um, they're they're what four and nine at the moment. Um, they they were had an eight game losing streak before winning their last two. Um, just some of your general thoughts on what the Broncos have looked like this season and what some of their problems are. Well, I mean, the problem is pretty obvious. They don't have top of the quarterback play. This is something that we saw uh, dating back to training camp. Um, you know, I, I was one of the people who picked the Broncos to finish last in this division. It was widely ridiculed for it. Um, and, and it's because of the quarterback play. I mean, you go back and look at training camp when it was Trevor Simeon, Paxton Lynch, and, and at the time Kyle Schloeder, uh, and, and you could see that this was not a team that was prepared to compete at the NFL level. Um, the defense was still fantastic, but the offense was just, uh, even in practice, turning the ball over at an alarming rate. Um, they came out the gate. You saw a couple of games in preseason that played pretty well, a couple of games to start the season that they played pretty well, though part of that was aided by uh, a blowout of a Dallas team that was missing half their defense. Um, so, you know, I, I think there was a mirage there, and I think expectation shot through the roof, and then all of a sudden the chickens came home to roost. You know, the, the, the tape on Trevor Simeon was out, and people could tell that this was a kid that uh, just isn't prepared to be a starter at the NFL level. Um, you know, turning the ball over too much, unable to make, uh, you know, certain throws uh, that he needs to make. And so, uh, you know, in the end, I, I think it's disappointing for fans. I think, you know, I think both organizations is disappointing for fans, but uh, there's still talent. I mean, the defense for the Broncos is still very good. It's just been overshadowed by um, the holes that the offense has put them in. And, you know, if you look at the Washington team over there, I mean, obviously all the injuries on the offensive line really in the, in the running back position really hampered what should have otherwise been a very competitive football team. I, I thought at the beginning of the year, they were a, uh, they were a contender. Yeah. It's, it's been, this team, 
if there was ever a team that was in need of some dire need of healthcare, it's it's the Redskins. I mean, I, I've been watching this team for the better part of a quarter century, and I don't know if there's been a season where we've been absolutely ravaged by injuries in the way this case, I mean, the way this team has been. I mean, it was 22 offensive line combinations heading into last week. God knows what it is right now. I think they're going to shut down Trent Williams, mercifully so. They should. Don't risk it any further. The guys that franchise for us are one of the three most important players on the team. Um, it's funny, like you thought, you know, going back, like the, as you said, this game might mean something for both teams coming in December, and now it's like it's a complete snoozer. I mean, last week there was a bunch of media photos that were showing how empty FedEx Field was, which unfortunately is kind of becoming par for the course. But it's going to be really bad this weekend because, given the fact that it's you know Christmas on Monday and a lot of people are not even in the area, so yeah, it, it's just a funny set of circumstances. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's that's pretty accurate. Although I think for Broncos fans, there's uh, there is a component to this game that's certainly viewable, and that's the Kirk Cousins factor. Uh, yeah. Washington was you know not use the tag on him. But that's somebody that John Elway would be all in on. Um, you know, this off season. So, uh, in an effort to improve the, the quarterback situation. So I think, uh, you know, I think for Broncos fans, there is something to this game that's, that's maybe not a snoozer. So let's talk about that a little bit. You, you've mentioned this several times on Twitter. Um, you've put that out there, you know, kind of almost, you know, throwing a little bit of the hot take bomb, although I'm sure it's much more nuanced than just saying random things like some of the other media people, but it's funny. You were, you've said that for a couple of months now, and then again, some steam, I think one of the SB nation blogs that covers Denver, I forgot what they are, so my fault for not attributing it properly. They kind of ran with it, but a couple of other local people have been have been amplifying that thought. Is there any real thing besides Denver really needs a quarterback, and obviously Kirk Cousins' situation here is far from unsettled or far from settled? That maybe there might be more to that story than just you know, there's the potential. Well, there is more to that story than just the potential. Kirk's unhappy in Washington and uh, and wants out. And so uh, the idea that, you know, that, that Washington is going to keep him at an exorbitant price is still possible, but not probable. Right. Uh, and then you look on the other side of it. Kirk's agent, Mike McCartney, is the son of Colorado Buffs, former legendary head coach Bill McCartney. He resides here at Denver. He has a relationship with John Elway. Uh, and so there's, uh, there, there's a little bit more to it than just idle speculation. Uh, it's far from a foregone conclusion. It's far from a done deal uh, in that regard. Guard, but there's definite steam to it and there's definite possibility to it. So I think then you're, it's safe to say that Denver does view the situation like, all right, clearly they have Simeon, they have Brock Osweiler, they have, um, who am I missing? Oh, Paxton Lynch. Paxton. So they, uh, they, uh, well, also we'll get back to the cousins thing. What is, what are your thoughts right now on Paxton Lynch? I know he was a spread quarterback. He played under Justin Fuente, um, at Memphis, full disclosure, I'm a Virginia tech alumni. So Fuente's now at Virginia tech, <laughs> but, um, you know, he played there and, you know, we knew he was raw coming out, but I mean, it's, we're finishing his second year in the league. Is it really time to pull the plug or is it just, you know, there's something immediately that could uh, fill the need? Well, I, the way I look at it is this, is, you know, Passion's a guy that, you know, you need to see if the game's going to slow down for him. He's got the physical components. He's got all the other parts of it. Uh, you're, you're at the part in Paxton Lynch uh, evaluation where you need to see, you need to put him out there and see if the game slows down for him because right now the game's too fast for him. That, that's the problem with Paxton Lynch. And so uh, what, if, the only way to do that is to put him out there and put him under live fire uh, and, and see if it does. I mean, uh, I hold up the example of Brett Hundley. You know, Brett Hundley, his first game in the league for Aaron Rodgers this year, couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat. Awesome. Uh, it, it was awful. I mean, it was absolutely terrible. Um, and, and then all of a sudden, you know, the game started to slow down a little bit for Brett Hill. He started to get it a little bit. Um, you know, things started coming to him a lot more quickly. 
Uh, and, and we saw that, uh, you know, against the Steelers, where he looked like a competent NFL quarterback that was, you know, a young guy starting to grow. Uh, and, and Paxton needs kind of the same thing. He needs a situation where you're going to put him out there for three or four games and see what he's got. And they just an unwilling to do that. Uh, you know, they put him out in relief against Tampa last year. They got a game against the Jaguars in which they, uh, they barely threw it and kept the off. All right, while we work through some of the technical difficulties we're having, I wanted to give a quick shout-out to one of our sponsors, and that's Advantage Media Solutions. Um, Whether you're a startup business, an already established company, organization, charity, or just an individual looking to help get your name out there, Advantage Media Solutions offers exactly what you're looking for in terms of unparalleled creative solutions for all clients and making sure that every job is done through through it to full success. In terms of marketing and advertising, they take care of everything from strategy to mobile marketing, SEO, email marketing, branding, social media, uh, publishing content. They do all sorts of PR, agent work, talent booking, image consulting, and image repair. So Advantage Media Solutions, point being, considers every client a partner. Your success equals their success, and they take a personal interest in each and every one of their clients. So make sure you give them a call or make sure you give them an email at theadvantagemediasolutions at gmail.com, or you can visit simply www.advantagemediasolutions.com. And now back to the podcast. So let's get, kind of get circle back to the, the Cousins thing. So you, we, it's fair to say that, okay, maybe they're going to kind of sit him on the bench uh, in terms of Paxton Lynch. Obviously, you know, Brock Osweiler, I've seen a little bit of him. I mean, can't say I've watched enough of him to where I can make a, like a really, really informed judgment. But from everything I've seen without drinking the media Kool-Aid myself, I mean, he looks pretty terrible. I've never seen a guy who doesn't know how to change the speed of his passes the way Brock Osweiler does. I mean, physically he looks the part, but it just, I don't know. It doesn't look like it's up there above the head. Uh, I think you said it right about Simeon. Like he's, a, I think he's a scrappy little guy or not little guy, but he's a scrappy guy, but I don't think he's an NFL starter. Um, you know, too many turnovers start the season. So it's interesting. I mean, we hear a lot like before the season, you know, Cleveland, Cleveland was a thing, and then I think San Francisco was a big thing until Jimmy Garoppolo started looking amazing over there for the last couple of weeks. But the Denver wrinkle, at least in the D.C. area, hasn't necessarily been like we look at Denver being like, oh, man, you could, that's, that's another place. But the connections, as you mentioned, are definitely there. Yeah. In fact, I would suggest that Cleveland's not really a realistic scenario. I would suggest uh, Cleveland tried to trade for Kirk Cousins a few years back uh, when Kyle Shanahan was there. They tried to offer, they offered a fourth rounder and uh, uh, Washington shot him down. Um, I would suggest that if there are real uh, free agent options, that those options are actually probably Jacksonville or Denver. Um, and I'm not saying that I'm not a Denver homer. I've only lived here a few years. I'm not saying that I'm trying right. to honk Denver and say they should get this guy or whatever. I'm just saying, that, you know, based on what I know and based on what I've seen, uh, that those are the more likely destinations, um, you know, when all said and done. I, I don't think they're going to reach a long-term deal with Kirk Cousins uh, in Washington, and I don't think they're going to tag him again. Um, that, that tag is possible, and they could financially pull it off. Uh, I just don't think it's wise. Uh, and I think it's wise at this point for Washington to maybe look at, um, you know, quarterbacks that fit Jay Gruden's system. Uh, look at look at a veteran, uh, maybe a guy like Alex Smith that can you can plug and play in there while you develop some guy that you just drafted, a la maybe a Baker Mayfield, uh, you know, somebody like that that fits what Jay Gruden, um, you know, really needs uh, in a quarterback. Yeah, the Andy Dalton thing. I know Mike Lombardi was kind of popping. You know, I, I wasn't sure if he was saying that tongue in cheek or whether he was being real, but that's kind of popped up again in terms of your point of someone that's kind of a Jay Gruden guy. I don't know if Andy Dalton's really the solution here or the solution to any question for that matter. Um, but uh, it, it's interesting you say Jacksonville. You know, like it kind of goes back and forth. Like before the season, that would have been an obvious spot that they need anything at quarterback. And now over the last month or so, Blake Bortles looks like you know the second coming of Ben Roethlisberger or whatever. So it's just it's funny how that works. I, I still think yeah, they need a quarterback more than anything else, and they could be a really, really, really good team if they got a consistent starter there. 
Well, yeah, absolutely. And I think Eli Manning would be in play for them as well. So yeah. uh, Jacksonville's got some options, whether they keep Bortles or move him, whether they, uh, you know, whether they pursue a free agent or even the draft like a Lamar Jackson type. So one thing I, w- I watched one of your episodes on Facebook of the show that you do, and you had a really good point or a really good, um, I guess a couple of good points on Vance Joseph. And I think the national, uh, the head coach of the Broncos, and I think the national narrative, we're kind of running with the idea that Vance Joseph could be one and done and he's a little overmatched for the position and, you know, and given the results that they've had this year, that, you know, he could be fired at the end of the year. And then, you know, there'll be a lot of hot names in the coaching market this year. But you were mentioning that not only is Joseph pretty safe, but he could actually have a little bit of an expansion of his role or his powers with the team. And I was hoping you could elaborate on that a little bit. Well, yeah, Vance has always been known as a guy with a good eye for talent. Um, he's never really been a strategist. He's always been kind of a motivator coach with a good eye for talent. Um, and, you know, I called uh, Adam Gase down there in Miami when, uh, you know, Adam used to be out here in Denver right when I got my start out here. And uh, So I called down there to Miami and talked to him for a little bit about Vance because he was on staff down there. And that's what he said. He's like, every personnel move or personnel suggestion that Vance, um, you know, that Vance talked to us about was gold. Um, he's got a great eye for talent. So, that really stuck out to me. And I think that's a part of what you've got going forward here in Denver is, you know, you've got a team that was, uh, the ingredients are Elway, the coaches are Elway. He picked the staff, he picked the players. And I think, you know, in order to give Vance a fair shake and Vance Wadosa will be back next year. I'll just, I'll just tell you that now. Right. Um, he will be back next year. Uh, and I think in order to give him a fair shake, you got to say, Hey, look, uh, this guy's in the kitchen. Uh, he wants to make the cake, let him get the ingredients for the cake. Right. Um, you know, and I, and I think that's a, I think that's a fair thing to do. And I think you will see a lot of that this season. I think Vance got stuck with some quarterbacks he, he didn't believe in. Um, I think he got stuck with a coach he didn't get along with and Mike McCoy. Uh, and, and, you know, I think the situation is, is one that's a little more tenable now. We've seen the offense pick up under Bill Musgrave. Brock Osweiler looks uh, reborn under Bill Musgrave in a sense. He's not great. If you're ranking quarterbacks yearly, Brock's range is in between that 17 and 23 overall, you know, kind of range if you're ranking quarterbacks. But you can win with that with Denver's run game and defense. So um, I think they were hoping Trevor Simeon would be that guy. He's not, he'll be gone. Uh, And then if Paxton doesn't improve, um, you know, he's probably going to be gone as well. And we get a lot of questions about Chad Kelly. Chad Kelly's never going to play a down for the the Denver Broncos. Yeah, I I didn't think that was a thing. I think Chad Kelly's claim to fame in the NFL is going to be trying to holler at Mia Khalifa. That's about it. Like, I don't think it's going to (laughs) go anywhere past that. Like, I I watched, my my wife is an SEC uh, alumna. I think that's a proper term for female. But, like, I watched Chad Kelly when he was at Ole Miss. And I'm like, he's a feisty guy. He's fun to watch. He's a college guy. Like, that's that's not a thing. So I'm on the same page as you. Right. Um, One thing thing I want to touch on, I thought it was really interesting when they fired Mike McCoy right around Thanksgiving, uh, right in the midst of, that, of the losing streak. And I've, he's always struck me as being one of the really good offensive minds in the league, at least from my personal opinion and seeing what I've seen. But, you know, you, you touched on it a little bit. So it seemed like it just it wasn't a good fit between him and Vance Joseph over there. Well, it was a combination of things. I mean, they didn't get along. And then, you, you know, you've got a Mike McCoy who, um, you know, his reputation was always crafted on fitting an offense to fit his players, you know. Right. Um, working with what he's got, whether that was Kyle Orton or Tim Tebow or, uh, you know, Philip Rivers or, you know, Brock Osweiler, whomever. Uh, but he, you know, I don't know that that reputation is earned. Um, when you come back and look at things now, you know, Gase was the guy talking up uh, Tebow while he was there. He was the quarterback's coach, um, you know, kind of helping tweak some of the things that he did late. Uh, and, and if you look at his time and, uh, uh, you know, Mike McCoy's time over there in uh, 
San Diego with the Chargers. You know, the guys that he had, Wisenhunt, right, guys like that, uh, they're, they're having success elsewhere, too, in those roles and long time have. So, you know, uh, Mike came in and wanted to run three wide receiver sets and not run the, run the ball. And, you know, you just didn't have the personnel to do what Mike wanted to do. And he remained stubborn and inflexible and trying to change that. And, his team uh, went down the tubes because of it. This team could have won if they'd run the football. Uh, we had games in there where C.J. Anderson was running for, you know, eight carries a game. Uh, you know, and you saw what he did to the Colts, 156 yards last yeah, week. Yeah. Not that the Colts are a powerhouse defense, but, you know, I mean, it, it just didn't make any sense. And so, you know, he was setting Trevor up with long throws and not running the ball. And it just, it, there was a lot of stuff that didn't make sense. Billy Musgrave came in here and has really turned his team around and, uh, and, and, and to, to that point, you know, Bill Musgrave, if you look at the Raiders drop off, Bill Musgrave made Derek Carr last year. You look at yep. Carr this year compared to last year, and uh, there's, there's no comparison. So Not the same guy. Yeah. Yeah. What's your thoughts? I know um, Emmanuel Sanders was uh, his solid self all season long until he got hurt. I think he had a, he, he had an ankle. Um, do you feel like Demarius Thomas is kind of the wrong side? Is it just one of those things that a collective injuries over the years have taken their toll on him? Or just you're curious on that, especially like a, from just a general standpoint, maybe even a fantasy football standpoint, if you will. Like I'm just curious on your thoughts there. Uh, with Demarius, it's you know I don't want to say it's a head thing with Demarius, but when Demarius wants it, when he's hungry uh, and he's on. Um, he, he's borderline unstoppable. You know, he's in that tier yeah. of the Julio Joneses of this league, but um, there are times where he's just, he's just not there. Um, you know, he doesn't use, he's not a physical guy. He doesn't use that big body to box out like he should, um, you know, struggles uh, doing anything more than stalk blocking in the run game. <laughs> he's just not a physical dominating, imposing guy. And, and, uh, and, and so, you know, I think part of that, when he switched to veganism this year, uh, lost a little bit of weight, lost a little bit of strength. That's kind of hindered him as well. He's still a fast guy, but, you know, he just doesn't have the, the, the opposing strength a guy his size should. Uh, and I think that's coming to a head. That's a problem. The Broncos have a $4 million option on his contract for the next two years, and I'm not sure they're going to exercise it. That's interesting. I didn't realize he was one of the guys. I, I, I know about all the, the NBA movement, about jumping, guys jumping over to veganism. I didn't realize uh, uh, Demarius was on that train, too. So it's interesting. Um, and one more. Yeah, Demarius, Benny Fowler, and Brandon Marshall. Oh, really? All three? Of, well, Brandon Marshall. Oh, Brandon Marshall, like Broncos linebacker, Brandon Marshall. Right. Brandon yeah. Broncos linebacker. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Um, and one a similar question. What are your thoughts on Devontae Booker from a standpoint? Like, he was one of those guys, I think I heard something before that right around the 16 draft, they were like, you know, the Broncos had a really high grade on him. They got him, I think it was the fourth round. You know, he looked good towards the end of last season. This year, a little bit of, he never really got off to, a, never really built on that, if you will. Um, well, actually, you know, he's, he's kind of come alive in the second half of this season. Um, they, they have really high hopes for him. He's very athletic, very fast, very quick. Uh, kind of reminds you of Jamal Charles and what he brings to the table in terms of, you know, being able to run the way he runs, catch the ball out of the backfield. Um, you know, I'm not saying he's Jamal Charles by any stretch, but, right. you know, a similar archetype in like what he does. Um, you know, they have very high hopes for him. And I'm going to be honest with you, you know, if you're a fantasy football guy, uh, Booker and then D'Angelo Henderson, a running back who's been largely inactive this season, they're going to be the two. They'll be the running backs next year uh, here in Denver unless CJ decides to severely reduce his contract. Oh, you think he could be a little bit of a cap casualty? CJ Anderson could be. Yeah, CJ's wanted, uh, he's, uh, he's due $4.5 next year, and they're, they're not going to pay him that. Yeah, it's just the way the running back market is now. It's either you have Le'Veon Bell or somebody, in, or maybe even the Shady McCoy cat tier. Otherwise, they're all kind of interchangeable in the eyes of the the league i guess just that's where we are right so 
So segueing a little bit from the quarterback topic or into the draft point, I should say, um, you know, a lot of the stuff has been coming out lately with, you know, there's the Sam Darnold versus Josh Rosen, who's better than Baker Mayfield. You touched on a little bit, throwing his, his hat into the ring with the, you know, winning the Heisman Trophy. And then, you know, kind of people comparing him to a Russell Wilson of sorts, whether that's accurate or not. Then there's been the conversation over the last two weeks, is Lamar Jackson a thing? Like, is, should he switch to wide receiver? For the record, personally, I don't think so. Um, I think you mentioned a little while ago that you have Rosen ahead of Darnold following by Mayfield, um, and then good size gap or a fair size gap between Josh Allen or and then Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson is like the next tier, and then maybe like a Mason Rudolph is the next um, another tier down after that. And then you were also, I think, mentioned something about you know you. I think the media and like the people like me, like or the bloggers, are higher on Josh Allen than probably the rest of the NFL scouts are. So a few things to unpack there. Um, you, first, on your thoughts on Josh Rosen versus Sam Darnold from a overall perspective. Well, from a personal standpoint, I would probably rather have Darnold. Um, I like his attitude a lot better. I like Darnold as a person a lot better. Yeah. Um, you know, Rosen as a person is um, arrogant, standoffish. Um, you know, that there's been reports of uncoachable uh, in a lot of ways, feels entitled, uh, kind of does what he wants, uh, that kind of thing. But, uh, you know, on the field, uh, mechanically, Rosen's about as perfect as it gets for a quarterback, you know. Um, he just, you know, uh, he just has all those, all those little things, uh, you know, mechanically that you want. Darnold's got a little loopy motion, a little hitch in there, um, elongated release. Yeah. Uh, to get the ball out and, and, you know, doesn't read the field quite as quick. Um, you know, I, I think Darnold's got the, if you could take Darnold's head and put it in, uh, Rosen's body, you'd, you know, you'd have a generational quarterback. Um, you know, and then looking down the list, Baker Mayfield, I, I think the Russell Wilson comparisons are totally inappropriate. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've been on that train from the get go. Baker's, Baker's got it. Um, you know, people are trying to dismiss him for various different reasons, and most of them have no clue what they're talking about. Baker makes calls at the line. Uh, most of the other quarterbacks in his class don't. Um, you know, even though he comes out of a spread kind of offense, um, you know, he makes it's a spread that, that requires full field reads. Um, so there's there's a lot of pro concept in there. Um, you know, most of his passes come from the pocket. People t- say they're all, he's scrambling all the time, which is nonsense. 72% of his passes come from the pocket, uh, which he's the highest rated guy in college football from the pocket. Uh, and then, you know, you look at some of the other, um, uh, some of the other factors about him. He's, you know, I mean, he does have the mobility, you know, he does have that it factor. Uh, they say that he didn't play against any defenses. Well, TCU was one of the top 10 defenses in the country, averaging allowing 13 points a game. And he hung 38 on him at the half in the first match and then another, you know, 30 something the second time. So, um, it, it, you know, he, he's proven everything he needs to prove. Uh, so I think Baker's going to be one of the best quarterbacks out of his class. Then you got, you know, uh, Lamar Jackson, uh, all world athlete, but you know, he comes out of a Bobby Petrino offense. It's always a red flag. Um, uh, he doesn't make his own line calls. He's got a really, really thin frame. Baker, Baker Mayfield, for instance, is six feet tall, six feet and a quarter inches tall, and about 220 pounds. Lamar Jackson is six foot three and about 195. Uh, so what that means is Lamar Jackson's three inches taller than Baker Mayfield, but Baker outweighs him by 25 pounds. I see Lamar Jackson, and I I see him physically, like you know, and he just. I get I I love watching him play, but he I get scared as hell. He reminds me of RG three in terms of like the chicken legs or and just being the frail you know not frail but you know a really thin frame. And I'm like one awkward hit, like one nasty hit from a big big guy. Just you're gonna cringe every time because he's just as you say he's just not the built that way. It's it's almost a little bit of like the concerns we had with like a Teddy Bridgewater and then what manifested as I said with RG three. So yeah, totally. Yeah, and then of course you know the opposite of you know Lamar, you got a Josh Allen over there who's got the body, right. uh, you know, <laughs> built for the league. But um, you know Lamar Jackson literally ran for more yardage this season than Josh Allen passed for in the Mountain West. 
Um, so right. that's, you know, that's, that should be a red flag right there in terms of productivity. And then, you know, Mason Rudolph's just a system guy, but, um, you know, he's a guy that might have a 10 year career in the league bounce around being a backup like Matt Moore, um, you know, that kind of thing. I, I, so I'm kind of, I'm very similar to your thoughts and I see Josh Rosen. I'm like from a, from a, if you watch just the, you know, whatever film you want to refer to it as you watch him, he's really fun to watch. I mean, it's, it's, it's damn near sexy. If you want to use that adjective, like it's, it's just, and, um, and then, and Rosen, I mean, excuse me, Sam Darnold, I, I enjoy watching him more. Like when I see it, I'm like, I, I think he's a little bigger, but he's just, he's a lot of fun to watch. He makes some wow throws. He has a little bit, I mean, of that pocket mobility. It's not just running around for the sake of running around or running around like Lamar Jackson. He looks like almost kind of like how Tony Romo used to buy time in the pocket. And I don't want to compare the two, but similar to that. Um, and, and Mayfield, I, I've seen what I've seen from the highlights perspective, but I'm like, I haven't really done as much digging in on what he's going to be as from a pro prospect. But I mean, people are basically putting those three guys as the top among the top 10 to 12 picks very early on in this process. Mm-hmm. So, and they will be, um, you know, if Darnold comes out and that's an if, um, they'll be, he rose in and he'll be one and two. And then you'll see Baker go somewhere before 15. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ben, this is awesome insight. I really, really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Anyone who is not doing so already, make sure you give Ben a follow on Twitter. It's Albright NFL, uh, Albright with two L's, uh, at Albright, uh, Albright NFL. So again, Ben, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. You have an awesome evening and holiday season. All right, brother. Take care. Take care, man. You have a great good, good one. Thank you so much for everyone who listened to today's podcast. Um, I want to give one more quick shout out to our good friends at InTheGymRange.com. You know, we talked a lot of football on this podcast, but NBA season is probably about one third of the way through. So if you're looking for a great site for in-depth information on both the NBA level as well as college basketball or even high school basketball, visit InTheGymRange.com. That's InTheGymRange.com. Or simply click on the link in the Friends and Sponsors section on the homepage of the Hail to the District website. And as, as always, as I always implore you all, if you haven't done so already, please make sure you follow us on SoundCloud. It's the Hail to the District podcast. You can find us on iTunes. Make sure you subscribe. Give us some feedback. Tell us some thoughts. What do you think of today's podcast? Whether you think Kirk Cousins is actually going to stay or whether he's going to go or anything else. But thank you once again. We'll have a lot of great basketball information coming up on, or a lot of great basketball talk coming up in January. Hopefully some more football as well. But once again, thank you so much for listening and we will talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to the Hail to the District podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts.